All right. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word, for your presence, and for this time. Would you teach us that we might fear your name, that you might be exalted in and through our lives? Amen. Amen. All right. As we have spent the day unpacking and digesting James, you have probably come to see that the overall theme is living out your faith. Not just hearing the word, but doing the word, putting into action what you believe. And just as the original recipients of this letter, they were Christian house churches, they experienced conflict and hardship, we too struggle with similar things. James used his words to help his hearers shift their perspective from their circumstances to God and his unchanging character. This shifting of perspective has been the biggest area of growth for me the last several years. Rather than let the truths of God inform the way I see my current situation, I have let my circumstances dictate what I think about God. This has been, in some ways, detrimental to my relationship with God. So over the last few years, God has been teaching me what James is teaching his readers. Suffering is a gift that God uses in our lives to change us for our good and his glory. And so we'll read two parts of James. And as we do, I want you to listen for what it says about God, yourself, and your circumstances. We'll start in chapter 1, verses 2 to 18. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind." For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is a man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers and sisters." Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. In chapter 5, verses 7 to 12. Be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is sitting at the door. 
As an example of suffering and patience, brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. This text is full, and we don't have a ton of time, and so I'm not going to lead you through a deep inductive study of these two sections of Scripture, but rather I'm going to make a few observations, and I'm going to string some highlights together. First of all, the text introduces hardship with a variety of words, trials, temptations, and suffering. And I wonder if you could use another word to describe your hardship, grief, anxiety, betrayal, loneliness, humiliation. I could go on, and I'm imagining that you're thinking of a word. But as this letter begins, James says, count it all joy. The message translation says, consider it a sheer gift. Now look at the word right after joy. What is that word? You have to pull up your Bibles. You can say it out. Consider it a sheer gift or count it all joy. What's the next word? When. When you meet trials, joy is encouraged not after the difficulty, but it says count it all joy when you meet trials. I have preached before on joy, and I don't have time to dive into it today, but I will say that joy is not happiness. Rather, joy is a deep-seated contentedness rooted in God and in his goodness. It is not a feeling. The reason these challenges can be considered a gift is because our, our faith is tested when that happens, it produces things in us. James talks about steadfastness and points to our ultimate perfection that will be made reality when Jesus returns. But until then, we grow in steadfastness, in patient endurance and perseverance. Just as the farmer waits for the harvest, or as the prophets of the Old Testament preached God's word for years before seeing any fruit, just as Job lost everything and still clung to God in his grief, we too can follow their example and let the suffering produce in us patient endurance and perseverance. How? The journey begins with wisdom. Wisdom is not discovering the best way to solve a problem, but instead wisdom is learning to look at life and live trusting God's character, God's purposes, and his promises. True wisdom is choosing to believe that God is good despite our circumstances. And getting wisdom starts with asking God. Scripture says that God gives generously. He's not stingy, but he gives without scolding. God will generously give wisdom to those who ask in faith without doubting God's character. Now, faith is a settled trust and confidence in God based on his character and promises. Doubt is not asking questions. Doubt is wavering between between trusting God and trusting the world or yourself. Your mind tears in two and it makes you unstable, easily tossed by wind and waves. Unstable and uncertain is no way to endure trials. I know because I myself have been so double-minded. 
Three years ago, I had two miscarriages in six months. It was shocking and heartbreaking. I was so hurt and mad. I didn't see how God could let this happen. I wrestled deeply with the truths of God, not matching my experiences. Was God good in allowing this awful thing? If God was a giver, then why did it seem like he took my babies from me? If he created my body fearfully and wonderfully, then why was my body not working? Was God even near? Did he even care? Deep in my grief, I wanted to become a workaholic and avoid life group and kairos, but my husband wouldn't let me. And I am so thankful for his firm and grace-filled leadership because it's through life group and kairos that the Spirit exposed me. There's two things that God, who James calls the Father of Lights, uncovered in me during that time. The first was my faulty perspective, and the second, my treasure. First, my faulty perspective. My circumstances were the lens by which I saw God, the world, and myself. My deep pain was all-consuming. It was devastating and hopeless and useless, and I couldn't see my circumstances as momentary, an opportunity, or an agent of change. Second, my view of myself was also flawed. Rather than see myself as a beloved daughter, seen, known, and cared for, I was a victim of random fate, ignored by God and all alone. But worse than a faulty perspective on my circumstances and myself, I had a marred view of God. To me, he was two-faced, fickle, weak, and indifferent. I cognitively knew and could sing and profess the truth that God was and is wise and generous, loving, kind, powerful, and patient, but I was the epitome of a wave of the sea. I was driven and tossed by my emotions and how I viewed my circumstances. I was unstable, uncertain, and doubting. The second thing that the Father of Lights that God uncovered in me during that time was my treasure. I wanted a baby more than anything, and I was devastated and angry when I didn't get what I wanted. Suffering shows us what we really love. Having a baby was the most important thing to me. The Bible calls this idolatry. Because anything we love more than God will betray us. We will lose it, either by its death or by ours. And I have slowly learned to loosen my grip on my ideas of how I think my life should go. That season, that suffering exposed me. It exposed my perspective, my treasure, my idolatry. And that is why I'm so thankful for that hard season. Because God in his compassion and his mercy used something so sad and tragic and brought good out of it. He taught me and corrected me and softened some of my rough edges. God isn't changing or varying like lights and shadows. He isn't fickle or stingy. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift and he saved us by his word of truth. God is purposeful, compassionate, and merciful. I don't know what's hard in your life, whether you would describe it as a trial or a trouble or a suffering. Maybe it's a broken relationship or a terminal diagnosis. Maybe it's infertility or infidelity. Whatever it is, I am going to guess that you at some point have asked or whispered or shouted, why? 
We will always ask why when we suffer. But if we look through the cross, we can live without the answer. Looking through the cross is how we massage the gospel into our suffering. We do this by considering three questions. One, what could be? Two, what is? And three, what will be? First, what could be? What you're going through is real. What you feel is valid, but it's not the whole story. We will never fully know why God allows the pain that he does, but we can look beyond the suffering and see the cross of Jesus. You and I have sinned against the great I am. The real trial we were destined for is the trial of his wrath, but we are not in that trial. Jesus is. Look at him. See Jesus, perfect and sinless, meeting God's wrath, flogged and beaten, hanging on the cross. Look at Jesus, half-naked, bleeding, struggling to breathe as fluid fills his lungs. He cries out, why? Bearing the weight of our sins, Jesus suffered incredible pain for you and me. It should have been you and me on that cross. It should have been us crying out, why? Because of the cross, you and I will never suffer as much as we should. Hell is what we really deserve. Jesus experienced the pain for you, the betrayal, the humiliation, the false accusation, the physical pain of nails piercing flesh, the suffering and the deepest pain, the separation from the Father. And he did it for you. He did it for me. We continue to massage the gospel into our suffering by considering what is. What is real right now about our pain and suffering cannot compare to what is more real right now about the gospel and all its benefits. Because of Jesus and what he has done, we are chosen, we are forgiven, we are set free. We are loved members of God's household, having received the mercy and grace of Jesus. Beyond what could be and what is, we consider, thirdly, what will be. This life is not all there is. And one day we will be with Jesus face to face, and it will be so great and so glorious. The reality of delight in the presence of Christ will outweigh every heartache and every pain on our journey. So take heart, sisters. May you know that your difficult circumstances are known by God. May you let the trials you are facing build up in you unshakable faith. May you let the suffering produce in you patient endurance and perseverance. And may you remember suffering is a gift that God uses to change us for our good and his glory.